0: Yeah, I've been involved in ministry now for 40, about 40 years. I know you probably think, "Man, he must have started when he was like five years old." But uh, no, that's not completely true. But uh, I, uh, I consider it a huge honor and a blessing to be a part of this great church. And uh, greatness is never measured in numbers; it's measured in influence. And I just want to remind you again tonight, the sun never sets on the ministry of Christian Life Church. There are missionaries on the other side of the world that are there because of our help and our influence and our blessing to them and so on and so forth. So it never sets. And again, Pastor Merrill has been instrumental in that, Pastor Darrell, I've had a small part in that as well, but it's, uh, that's what it's all about. And... Uh, I need you to turn to the book of Colossians uh, as you're waiting for me to get there as well. Uh, but uh, I, have to, I just have to share this story. It's a great story about uh, creativity in ministry. Sister Mary Ann's gasoline. Sister Mary Ann, who worked for a home health agency, was out making her rounds, visiting homebound patients when she ran out of gas. As luck would have it, a Texaco gas station was just a block away. She walked to the station to borrow a gas can, buy some gas. The attendant told her that the only gas can he owned had been loaned out. She could wait until it was returned. Since Sister Marianne was on the way to see a patient, she decided not to wait, walked back to her car, looked for something in her car that she could fill with gas, and spotted the bedpan she was taking to the patient. Always resourceful, Sister Mary Ann carried the bedpan to the station, filled it with gasoline, carried the full bedpan back to her car. As she was pouring the gas into her tank, a couple of Baptists watching her from across the street looked at one another and said, If it starts, I'm turning Catholic. <laughs> Creativity. Creativity. I've enti- I want to entitle this message tonight, I, I had another title, but I, the Lord just kind of dropped this one in my mind and my heart, and it's, it's simply this, and I know you're going to be familiar with it, What's in Your Wallet? What's in Your Wallet? That's the title of the message, What's in Your Wallet? It has nothing to do with credit cards, it's a question, because as, as I was thinking about this, <clears throat> I began to realize, do you know that... I'm, I'm in my wallet. I mean, I have identification in here. I have money, a little. I have cards that give me access to certain things. I have some pictures. I have gift cards, I have a business, I have business cards. You know, this, there's a lot of me in this little leather thing. But the, the most amazing thing is that, you know, what's in your wallet? I just want to ask you, what's in your wallet spiritually? You know, what's in your spiritual wallet? I want to talk to you about that tonight in just a moment. Uh, and uh, I guess the second title of the message is being a minister. How do you become a minister? I'm not talking about seminary. I'm not talking about, you know, official. I'm talking about each one of you as ministers, just as Pastor Darrell challenged us last week about becoming a minister. And uh, let me give you a little picture real quick about how simple it is to become a minister. There was a little dog who had been struck by a car and was lying by the side of the road. A doctor was driving by and he noticed the dog and he saw he was still alive. And so he stopped his car, picked up the dog and took him home with him. There he discovered that the dog had been mostly stunned as a result of the accident. After a careful examination, the doctor concluded the animal had suffered a few minor cuts and abrasions, but was otherwise all right. He revived the dog, cleaned up the wounds, and was carrying the animal from the house to the garage. All of a sudden, the dog jumped from his arms and scampered off in an instant. What an ungrateful little dog, the doctor said to himself. After all that I have done for you, He did not give the incident a second thought until the next evening when he heard a scratching at the door, could not imagine who it was. When he opened the door, there was the little dog he had treated, accompanied by another hurt dog. What does it take to become a minister? Find a hurting person and bring him to to the doctor. Amen? Find, how, many, how many of you know people that need to be at Christian Life Church? There's something here that they need to have, okay? Other than the fact that they need to meet me, they need to meet Pastor Merrill, they, you know, there's a lot of celebrities here they need to meet. But it's, it's simply finding another hurting person and bringing them to the person that helped you. And I know that most, if not all of us, at one time or another were hurting. And we came here, and the doctor, Jesus, took care of us. Unfortunately, a lot of people have been helped by Jesus, and they jumped out of his arms, and they took off. And they never came back. But we have come back. And so it's exciting to know that there are four, little, four simple things that you need to do and be aware of to become a real minister. And tonight, at the end, uh, we're going to hand out a couple of gifts, or some gifts to people that are, that are ministers here at Christian Life. The sign says, uh, to all of our Christian Life Church youth and children's ministers. Thank you. Now, obviously, they're not all here tonight, but I have 80, there are 80 gifts in here. There are 80 people that minister at one point or another to our children, to our preschoolers, to our nursery babies, and to our youth babies, I mean our youth kids. Sorry. Um, But anyway, let's take a look at Colossians. Come with me, turn with me to Colossians chapter number one. I want to start with, and I want to begin at verse 24. And here's uh, Paul's letter to this church. And uh, we're going to spend a lot of our time in one particular verse, but I just want to touch on some really important issues here. Verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the most amazing truth that has ever been shared across this universe. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. What's the job of a pastor? So that we might someday be able to present you to him complete, perfected, mature. Another translation uses the word mature. That we are able to present you to Christ mature. And that's, that's, that's why we do what we do. And that's why you need to do what you need to do to bring other people to maturity. Chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit. I delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. And here is what I want to share with you tonight. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. your sermon notes, you can write these four things down. Knowers, number two, believers, number three, servers, and number four, givers. Knowers, believers, servers, and givers. Now, he says that we are rooted. We are to be rooted. And as I looked at that and began to think about that, I believe that it has to do with what I know. It has to do with knowledge. Where are your roots? Where have your, where have your roots found themselves? Where have they gro- gone deep into? It's either the knowledge and the information that is out there in the world, and we live in an informationally glutted society. The Internet, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous, the amount of information that's out there now. And there's so many different ideologies and so many different philosophies and so much information. And if you find yourself trying to get deep into that, you're going to to find out that it's very unsteady. It's very unstable. What ground or what earth should you be running your roots deep into? This dirt. This ground. The Word of God is absolute truth. See, now that's an issue that so many people struggle with. Well, how do you know it's absolutely true? Because I'm just absolutely positive. It's like the people that say there's no such thing as absolute truth. And my question to them immediately is, are you absolutely sure? Well, so you see, this is is completely foundational. Paul says you have to be rooted. You need to know. What is it that you know? What do you know? It's a question that I threw up. I'm thinking to myself, "What, what do I know? How many of you know the story of Jesus? How many of you know the story of creation? How many of you have ever heard the story of Abraham? David? David and Goliath? Some of the other Old Testament prophets, people? Ever heard the story of Paul? Ever heard about somebody named Paul? Stephen? the disciples, the apostles. What do you know? How much information do you have about God's Word? And that's where you begin. That's where you start. It's it's knowing. It's what do you know? Ask yourself what you know. Too many times the devil comes along and he tells us as Christians, you know, you really don't know that much. You know how much you need to know? Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. That's what you know. If you know that, You're a knower. You got it. The rest of it, you know, somebody said, well, you know, you're just not theologically trained. Well, trust me, that's wonderful, but there's a lot of things that I studied in seminary that if I was up here preaching them to you, it would be nap time. And Pastor Darrell said, amen. I mean, there's so much stuff and it's great to challenge your mind, it's great, and, and it's wonderful, and again, I've been teaching in the college for 20, 20 some years, and I, and I understand the value of teaching. But I also understand what it means to know. What is it that you know? God wants you to be a knower. Know the word, know, his, know this word. Know what it says, know what it's talking about. The second thing that you need to know, it's not just what you know, but what? Who you know who you know. You want to find a job? doesn't matter who you, what you know, it's who you know. Amen? It's who you know. It's relational. And especially in our society today, you, you want to find a job today, you need to make a connection with somebody. That's why they have networking and all this other kind of stuff. So that you can, it's not about who, what you know, it's who you know. And someday you will stand before Christ, and if you can, and you know, and if you can spout off the entire New Testament from memory, and do not know Christ, are you getting into heaven? Not, not even close. Because you see, God's not impressed if all you have is knowledge, and you don't know the the, and you don't know the giver of the knowledge. Earlier on in this passage, Paul talks about Christ, the mystery. He is is knowledge. So if I know the source of knowledge, I'm going to know knowledge. I'm going to have knowledge. How many of you have ever been reading Scripture and it just the light came on? The Holy Spirit, it was like, ding, 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 ding. I get this. I understand this. That's what I'm talking about. When I know the giver of the knowledge, that, then that cycle begins. You've got to be a knower. You have to be rooted in the Word of God. You've got to know. If you want to be a minister, you've got to be a knower. You've got to be a knower. You've got to start there. You've got to be a knower. The second thing Paul says, he says that we need to be built up In Christ now how do I what do I do now to build up on what I know I believe the second step is becoming a believer a believer do you realize that Satan probably knows much of the Bible but he's not a believer he doesn't believe you could probably go to Walmart or Woodfield or somewhere and just stop people randomly and ask them what do you know about the Bible and they could probably tell you some information. And then the next question you would need to ask them, so how much of that do you believe? Oh, I don't believe any of it. Pfft, I don't believe that. It's a fairy tale. I mean, it's, you know, it's a storybook. I don't believe that. Do you know the strange thing is that there are people that, that come into church on a regular basis and are, and are knowers of the Word of God, yet they don't really believe it? Do you know how I know that? Because they still worry about things. Uh Uh-oh, now I'm messing. Now I'm messing. Now I'm fooling around with, you know, your comfortable zone. You see, if I believe the Word of God, and now I'm preaching to myself, if I believe the Word of God, then is God the provider of all things? Well, then what am I worried about? You know, you might say, well, Pastor Fred, it's easy for you to say. you got a pretty secure job, as far as I know. It's still early. Um, you know, yeah, you, got, you know, your wife works. you got money you don't know what to do with. You're rich. You drive nice cars. I mean, you're just loaded. You, you know, you I say, yeah, but I have grandkids. So a lot of that just keeps flowing out. You think, yeah, it's easy for you to have great faith in God and all this kind of stuff. What about me? I'm strong. I can hardly make, you know, I don't know what to do. I said, how many times have you laid those bills before God and said, God, you have bills to pay. Huh? Do you hear what I'm saying? You see, a believer has a completely different attitude than just a knower. And the Bible is very clear. What did Jesus Jesus say to Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a knower right he knew i mean he knew all kinds of stuff he you know sanhedrin he was brilliant and jesus tells him very simply for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life jesus did not say you know whoever knows basic information about jesus is good it has to go beyond that we have to be, we're rooted, absolutely. We start out with being rooted in the Word of God. You get to know it, you, you understand it. Not, not a person in here got saved without information about Christ. You just wake up in the middle of the night, you go, well, I don't know anything about this, but I want to be saved. No, you have to know something. You had to have some information. But then you moved into that next realm, which is the most powerful realm. It's called believing. When I believe... Because see, you know, I can say, well, I, you know, I believe that this pew is strong enough to hold me, all right? I know, I have the information, it, it's probably strong enough to hold me. This could be a dangerous test here, but um, I, I know, I have all the information, and someone says, well, why don't you sit down? Well, I'm not so sure yet. I know, but I don't know if I believe that it can. And you see, that's where most people are. That's where people are struggling they know a little bit about the truth. They've they've heard some. They've you know they maybe they've been to church. They've heard it, but they don't they don't believe it. They've not come through that position where they said yes, I will take that step of faith. Yes, I will raise my hand. At uh, the Greg Laurie Harvest thing, there were people in that stadium that they were knowers because they sat and listened to him. But then the invitation came. And they were willing to make that step to walk down on that floor and enter this world we call the believers. That's what we are. We're believers. If someone ever asks you, uh, what kind of a church do you go to? A believer church. A what? A believer church. We believe. We believe the whole Bible. We believe that you can be healed. We believe you can speak in tongues. We believe that God can raise people from the dead. We believe, we believe everything, from the table of contents to the maps. We believe the whole thing. We believe it all. We're believers. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Those, a minister that believes is a minister that God can use. I mean, how pathetic would that be? If you know, week after week, Pastor Darrell, myself, Pastor Merrill, We get up here and say, well, you know, I'm going to share the Word of God with you. I'm not so sure this is really going to work, but here we go. I don't totally believe this, but I'm going to preach it. What? What? Believe. It's how you build up. It's how you build yourself up. Take a step of faith. Believe. Check it out. The third thing is serving The third aspect is, he says, I'm strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Now, how do I strengthen myself? How do I make this thing work? How many of you have grown in the Lord by sitting in a pew and listening to sermons? That's all you've done. You've done absolutely nothing else. Not many. Why? Because you have to act on this. You have to act on it. We're going to be acknowledging people that that are servers. They become servers. And it's, it's completely exciting to watch this happen. To serve. You know the key to life? Exchange. Exchange. The minute your body stops exchanging oxygen and carbon dioxide, what's going to happen to you? You're done. You're done. If you stop exchanging food, if you stop taking food in, turning it into energy, etc., if that exchange process stops, you're done. It's over. The same thing is true spiritually. I think, you know, it seems like you know some people in the church have just become like spiritually obese. I mean, all they've done is take in and take in and take in, and they give nothing out. They never they never minister to anybody else. They never touch another human being's life. And you might say, well, Pastor Fred, you know, how, how, can I, how can I serve the church? Let me give you some real simple ways. When you get out of your car and you begin to walk into the church, if you see a piece of paper in the parking lot, pick it up and throw it in the trash. You are serving. You walk into the church. You see somebody standing by themselves. Walk over and you just extend your hand. Hi, my name's Fred or... Thaddeus, or I mean, make up a name if you feel like it. I'm whoever. Good to see you. What's your name? I don't think I've ever met you before. Is this is your first time. Have you been here before? Say, so, well, Pastor Fred, I'm not an official greeter. I don't care. Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Are you breathing? You have a pulse? Then you're a minister. You walk into the church service. You see somebody sitting by themselves. You decide, well, you know, it's not my official seat, but I think I could sit there. <laughs> just, I'm, it drives me crazy. I have an official seat. You know, if, you're, if the ministry of your life is to come to church to make sure nobody is going to sit in your seat, you need prayer. And God forbid you would go on vacation. and your seat would become open territory. I'm waiting to go to the church where I see little little things of barbed wire protecting the seat. God set us free. You see somebody that's sitting by themselves, so you, you, know, you park yourself. you mind if I sit with you today? You know, I, you know, I'm a regular attender here at CLC. If you've got any questions, anything, you know. And you'll probably be surprised. Well, you know what? I'm a regular attender here at CLC too. How come we've never met? Who knows? You're a minister. The music begins. You stand up, hands go into the air, you begin to worship God. You're a minister. You're ministering. You're serving. I'm going to get to giver in a minute. The offering plate goes by. You don't just wave at it. You minister. You minister. You see, I don't know where this came. I think many years ago, somewhere, the clergy was established. The official professional ministry came into being. And ever since then, it seems like the rest, you know, the, the, the laity, or the common people, or the, what would you prefer that I call you? Ministers, thank you! That's what you should be called. It's the that minister, it's like, well, you know, unless I get official permission, I, I can't be a Christian. Oh, well, yes, you can. Trust me, I'm giving you permission. The Word of God is giving you permission. The Bible is giving us permission. It says to serve. And and he says, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. You will not strengthen anything if you don't exercise it. If you don't work on it. Well, I've never just walked up to somebody and spoken with them. Just give it a try. You will strengthen your ability to do that. Just give it a try. If you want, I'll help you. Come and attach yourself to my leg and follow me around. I'll, I'll you know, I'll do whatever I got to do to help you. Because that's, that's why we're here, is to release you into this amazing world called ministering, becoming a minister. What's in your wallet? It's not just money. It's who you are. What's in your spiritual wallet? You have, I mean, there's gifts, there are gifts that are just hiding in the church, and I, and I believe that this is the year that they're going to be coming they're going to start coming out of the woodwork, set free to minister, to serve. The last thing very quickly, and I, I need to keep moving because we've got some things to, to do to, at the end here. Givers. And you're probably saying, now, Pastor Fred, how did you come up with this one? I said, well, it's easy. It says overflowing with thankfulness. Do you know the people that I go to if I need money? The people that are overflowing with thanksgiving. Have you ever tried to get money out of a whiny, complaining person? Don't waste your time. You know, there's, they're, you know they're just... They just complain about everything. So you wow, I guess it's a, could be uh good bar I don't have to for my to go good. And you know, people that are overflowing with thankfulness. And and God, you know, He's you know, as I got ready for this message, he's been kind of slapping me around with this one. Overflowing with thankfulness. Do you know why we, we take an offering? To give you an opportunity to overflow. Wifeliness. And read it. God loves a cheerful giver. I've heard another version that, but He'll take money from a grouch, But that's not in the Bible. But uh, overflowing with thankfulness. You know, if you're coming to church, you know, and you you know you get you get in that you're you getting the seat, and you sit there and you spend the morning <laughs> evaluating the service. Oh, great. Jonathan's leading worship. It's going to be loud today. <laughs> oh, Lord, please let the sound people turn him down. I mean, and you know, this is your prayer time. Oh, great. Here come the announcements. Oh, no, Pastor Frey, you know, he's he's this wannabe comedian. Why does he just do the announcements, sit down and shut up? Oh, Pastor Merrill's getting up. No, I got another India report. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I haven't heard that for a while. That's good. Okay, now uh, they're going to beg for money again. Hardly wait. All right. Who's preaching today? Steve, oh no, Steve, Samson, we're going to be here for two hours. (laughs) And then you get up and you leave. Why in the world did you come to church? See, now I'm getting mean. It's fun, but it's mean. Do you realize, and let let me share this with you, and the Lord dropped this in my heart a while back, and he said... I just laid this on my heart, and and as I thought about it, I thought, yeah. Do you realize that there are are a large number of people around the world in God's church that are spiritual shoplifters? They come to church, they take what they get, and they never pay anything for it. You know, there was a time in my own life when I did that. I was kind of like that. And then the Lord helped me realize that you need to become a giver if you want to be a minister. You need to be a knower. You need to know the truth because it will set you free. And you need to believe that truth to the point where it changes the way you live because what you know means nothing. It's what you believe that determines how you act. And how you act determines your destiny. That's what I've discovered. But being a knower, being a believer, because believers then step into the next circle that says, I want to serve. I'll do anything, I don't care. I'll carry trash out. Been there, done that, even today. I'll clean toilets. I'll preach a sermon. Well, we you know we got plenty in that right now. We'll give you a call if we need you. But serving—it's not about being up front. It's about touching the lives of people all around. Serving, and then giving, overflowing with thankfulness. It's offering time. God and the Lord says, "What's in your wallet?" Yes, Lord. I've got it. I'm good. Because I am so thankful that you put it there. I didn't put it there. Thank you, Lord, that you put it there. Thank you, God. Everything in this wallet is because God put it there. There's nothing in there that I put there. What's in your wallet? God's stuff. God's stuff. And if you'll let him, if you will let him, use it. Don't be guilty of shoplifting. Any of you ever done that? How many of you have ever done that? Shoplifted. You don't need to raise your hand. I already know the answer. I'm good. Shoplifters. God, you know, forgive me and don't ever let me go there again. Let me never enter the sanctuary of God empty handed. You might say, well, you know, you know, I I give a variety of other ways. You know, that's that's great. As long as you're giving. Don't ever come and and feel like you are now you've now become the evaluator of the service and then you're going to give God a report. Like God's going to skip church and He needs you to take care of that. I, forget that. Forget it. Become How many of you want to become ministers? The teacher asked her class what each wanted to become when they grew up. A chorus of responses came from all over the room. A football player, a doctor, an astronaut, president, fireman, teacher, race car driver. Everyone in the classroom had a response. Everyone that is except Tommy. And the teacher noticed he was sitting there quiet and still. So she said, Tommy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Possible, Tommy said. Possible? Asked the teacher. Yes, Tommy said. My mom is always telling me I'm impossible. So when I get to be big, I want to become possible. It's time for you to think about that. It's time to be possible. Is it possible for you to become a minister? Uh, Yeah, it is, totally. Totally. How do I know that? Because of probably my favorite list that I have in my illustration file. The next time you feel like God can't use you, just remember, Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Thank God for that not happening now anymore. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus was dead. But Lord, but Pastor Fred, I can't do anything. Don't ever tell me that. Ever. Amen? Don't ever tell me that. Tonight I want to read a list of names that... It's fairly long, and I'll try to read quickly. But these are the people that have ministered to our children... Our youth uh, in the nursery, preschool. And if you are here and I call your name, please come up and uh, receive uh, a, a special gift. There's a couple of types in here. The one is thank you for serving the Savior, and the other is uh, living a leg- legacy, magnifying God's love. Uh, it's a pen and a bookmark. It's our way of just saying thank you. I apologize, it's not new cars, but hey, you know, <laughs> maybe next year we'll see how the budget goes. But, uh, but anyway, uh, please come up as I call your name. Many people, again, are not here, but I want you to hear the list of names very quickly. In the youth, Pastor John Jensen, Rebecca Jensen, Erica Canaris, Candice Machica, Catherine Kowalski, Stephen Flores, Chris Byers, Steve Gilley, Ashley McCrary, jo- Jacob Weckler, uh, Kelly Moody. In our preschool ministry, Susan Graves, Dan Graves, Karen Castro, Jean-Ann Wazorek, Charmaine Grippo, Michael Grippo, Rachel Grippo, Matthew Strayler, Meg Fiodorosa, uh, Daniela Simpson, Kim Leontios, Zach Kunstel, In Our Nursery, Jody Bechtold, Oneida Thorne, yay, Oneida, come and get it, Stephanie Johanson, Erica Canaris, Linda Job, Sherry Scheidler, Jennifer Schmidt, Bob Nauman, Michelle Nauman, Karen Shuttler, Laura D'Angelo, Alyssa D'Angelo, Teresa Kurowski, Alette Brown, Lauren Bechtold, Meg Spencer, Linda Doyley, Rita Tibbs, uh, there's another one, yes, uh, Bonnie Bridges, Chris Maluchel, uh Megan Stubbe, uh, Lou Bingian, Marin Leantios, Kim Leontios, and uh, Peggy Jades had helped in there, so come on up, absolutely. And then uh, in the children's ministry, uh, myself, Pastor Fred, Mark Bechtold, Dave Anfuso, Sarah Spinner, Jim Spinner, Bonnie Bridges, Laura Spencer, Kelly Spencer, Paul Grippo, Cindy Simpson, Gabby Ubaldo, Kurt Schroeder, another voice heard from, Kurt, come on up, uh, Crystal Schroeder, Jonathan Bueno, Danny Cruz, Gregory Scott, Luke Merrill, Lauren Bechtold, Marilee uh, Ritchie, Jessica Cullinane, Amanda Nisley Steve Oates, Daniela Oates, Haley Benson, Jenna Benson, Chris Byers, Uh, Janice uh, Janice Fleckiger, Nessa Rivnus, Nick Rivnus, Hilary Ziverts, and uh, Milan also helped. So, Milan, come on up. Okay? (laughs) Approximately 80 names, 80 ministers. So, you know, and some of you thought there were only three or four ministers in our church. And that's just for children. In the adult ministries, over 120. People and we'll be mentioning their names probably uh, next week or in the weeks ahead. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us to become greater ministers than ever before. Father, help us not to seek positions or titles, but help us to be men and women of influence, like the little dog. We just we got healed and we go out and find somebody that needs to be healed, and we bring him to the doctor. In Jesus' name, amen.